listening to Adjective New Music's podcast, Lexical Tones. I'm your host, Rob McClure. Curious, passionate, adaptable. Described as a charismatic and captivating performer, violist Ashley Gordon has performed with ensembles all over the world. Along with receiving a Master of Contemporary Music degree from the International Ensemble Modern Academy, Ashley received degrees in viola performance from the New England Conservatory and Baldwin-Wallace University Conservatory of Music. Ashley is the co-founder and artistic-slash-executive director of Castle of Our Skins, a Boston-based concert and educational series devoted to celebrating Black artistry through music. In recognition of her work, she was awarded the 2016 Charles Walton Diversity Advocate Award, from the American Federation of Musicians. She is the 2015 St. Boltoff Emerging Artist Award recipient, a 2019 Brother Thomas Fellow, a nominee for the 2020 Americans for the Arts Johnson Fellowship for Artists Transforming Communities, and named one of WBUR's Artery 25, 25 Millennials of Color Impacting Boston's Arts and Culture Scene. Ashley, good to meet you like this. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about some of the performances that you have done with uh, Castle of Our Skins, but we're also just going to talk about Castle of Our Skins. So let's start there. I mean, for listeners who may not know, uh, where does that name come from? What does it mean? And, and why did you choose it for your organization? Yeah, I, I love that question and I love sharing because it really explains everything that you need to know about this organization. The name Castle of Our Skins comes from a Nikki Giovanni poem, Nikki Giovanni being one of my favorite, one of Anthony R. Green, uh, co-founder of Castle of Our Skins, favorite poem. Uh, and the poem is called Poem for Nina, as in Nina Simone. And to paraphrase, it basically says we're all imprisoned in the castle of our skins. And if that's the case might as well treat our skin like a palace and fill it with beautiful things, adorn it with beautiful things, uh, and really just love the very fabric that makes you who you are. Uh, and with respects to what we do, which is celebrating Black artistry through music, there's just so much connectivity. Every time I say the name, I'm reminded, okay, what is what our mission is. How did, uh, how did Castle of Our Skin start? You mentioned the co-founder and Anthony and Anthony R. Green, who's uh, already been a guest on the podcast. So how did this start? Sure. It started very humbly and without <laughs> knowing what we were doing, which I think <laughs> is how lots of things start. Uh, so Anthony and I met during our master's uh, studies at the New England Conservatory in Boston. Um, NEC, as it's called for short, now has a black student union. And certainly a decade ago when we were studying, it did not. So it was pretty easy within uh, the classical arm as opposed to the jazz arm uh, or the uh, uh, contemporary improvisatory arm to sort of find pockets of like-minded um, people. Anthony certainly was, was one of them. So we, as uh, two black classically trained musicians interested in contemporary music, uh, wanted to find a way to support one another, he being a pianist and composer, me being a, a violist. So that meant performing, uh, collaborating, trying to find opportunities while we were in school. And then certainly when life brought us to different sides of the 
states, literally on the East Coast, West Coast, and then now on different sides of the Atlantic, yeah. uh, he being in the Netherlands, we, we wanted to still find a way to support each other's work uh, out of respect and appreciation for each other's work um, and, and just explore. Uh, and it really started, as I said, humbly with that feeling of exploration uh, it was, I think, when I moved back from Germany, I was doing uh, a second master's in in Frankfurt, uh, moved back to Boston. I couldn't get a job as a barista. I remember being rejected uh, from multiple places as a dog walker. So I ended up spending nine to five in various libraries, just sort of researching. I, th I thought there was more than just me and there was more than just Anthony in terms of black musicians. And of course, there's a, a world uh, that neither one of us had knowledge of, uh, despite all of our degrees. Uh, so it started humbly and finding information, putting on a, a single concert and a single educational workshop our first year and just realizing that there was so much thirst and hunger uh, from audience members, from kids, from families to also want to learn more uh, because this was an information that was readily accessible for all sorts of reasons. Um, and we thought, well, this is an opportunity to connect and support and to share. And uh, eight years later, here we are. Yeah. So how, I mean, through those eight years, how have you evolved? Like what is you started humbly with uh, the concert and the educational workshop, Where what is Castle of Our Skins now? Sure. Fundamentally, uh, we still are a concert in an educational series. And uh, our first concert was one called Love Affects, exploring the various ways that love can uh, affect your sense of self, your uh, appreciation for community, your understanding and reverence for history. Uh, and literally in, in November of this year, we're doing a project called Black Love, which is love of self, love of community, um, etc. cetera. So it, similar ideas eight years later still, still cropping up for us to explore. Uh, the educational project that we started with was one that Anthony created uh, for original, uh, using original poetry, music and narration for solo narrating viola, a.k.a. me, uh, to work with, in an interactive way, elementary age students sharing history of different figures in Black history um, in, in a fun and educational way. We've since developed other interactive programs uh, inspired by that original, our inaugural workshop, one that teaches scat syllables um, and Ella Fitzgerald to, to young students, uh, another that is more sequential based, so um, several weeks as opposed to sort of a one hour workshop on uh, modern day spirituals, learning how, to, learning how to build a modern day spiritual as well as the um, beauty and uh, importance of the tradition of African-American spirituals. Um, our, our concerts even from day one, involved poetry and involved other arts. And our concerts today uh, certainly involve uh, the same poetry and other arts, as well as history and music. So um, a, a program, again, that I had mentioned, this Black Love, will include uh, a world premiere virtual 
digital EP, uh, Love Duet, um, by Tanya Radzwa-Tawengwa, who is our composer uh, in residence, our creative in residence this season, uh, and uh, a Zimbabwe movement artist and, and designer, film designer, uh, Tawenda. Um, it will include spoken word, it will include uh, string quartet, classical string quartets, as well as a sound bath for the solar plexus, an electronic Whoa. piece that is all about meditation by South African composer Montati Masibi and performed um, with a really great dance company in Boston called VLA Dance with creative lighting um, from a lighting designer, Aja Jackson, also Boston-based. But the, the heart, I say all of that to say that the heart is still music, combining with history, combining with arts, combining with relevance, for where we are right now, certainly in the month of November, we need some self-care. <laughs> yeah, um, that's going to be very important. <laughs> right. So um, trying to trying to be responsive in ways that are celebratory, that are very grounded in uh, blackness as it relates to the African diaspora. Um, and on stage, off stage, really focusing on education, play and curiosity. Through the, I mean, you, you, you've mentioned a bunch of, you know, uh, Boston-based artists that you're working with, and it seems like at the heart of it, you are still a very Boston-based um, organization. But also, you know, through the pandemic and through quarantine and everything, it seems like, you know, you've had a lot of opportunities to reach outside of Boston. And like you're saying with these like virtual concerts and stuff like that, what is that? What has that been like for for you guys? Yeah, well, um, I have to give credits to Anthony R. Green, who created, um, who had had the idea specifically this summer, um, with respect to the pandemic, to do a call for composers who identified as being from uh, the African diaspora to create a 30-second miniature for either solo viola, solo piano, or viola piano duo. One that we could do virtually, Anthony again being in the Netherlands and, mm -hmm. and myself being in Boston. Um, and we had 18 composers submit, um, composers being from the U.S., being from Canada, Europe, and South Africa, ranging uh, in age from 11, who wow. uh, was very adorable and submitted a performance of him playing his original piece on piano because he didn't know how to write it down um, to oh. seasoned composers like Adolphus Halstark and Jonathan Bailey Howland, Gary Powell Nash, um, uh, etc. So it was uh, great to see such a range, first of all, in age and sort of seniority and, and geography. Um, and I, I think an odd blessing of this time that we're in is the ability to connect so broadly uh, and learn learn about each other uh, so easily as a result. Yeah, that was that was definitely one project I had. Um, I really enjoyed following through through the summer. You know, it seemed like you guys were posting one a week or, or something like that, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. and um, I I appreciated it because, you know, I was, uh, I was definitely learning about, you know, new composers who I hadn't, um, who I hadn't encountered before. And those little snippets were just enough to like, you know, 
Ooh, ooh, that's nice. Like, let's let's find that person's website and uh, and see what else they're doing. So, so that was you know that that was really well. I appreciated it. I appreciated it. A lot. Thank you. Yeah, it was um, great for us too. We we did have eighteen over eighteen weeks. So every Friday, uh, we we shared a little video, and it was encouraging. One for the composers, many of them said that it, it just really lifted them out of a moment of just uh, despair <laughs> to have for something. Many, for many reasons. This for, many, for many yeah. reasons. Um, and to have something that wasn't overwhelming. It's not a 30-minute orchestral piece that we're asking. It's 30 seconds. Write whatever you want and we'll play it. We'll also pay you. Uh, and then also for Anthony and myself, uh, you know, my, my calendar was totally wiped clean March yeah. 14th, mm-hmm. I remember. So this this allowed uh, me to at least take my viola out every week uh, and have something to do as well, too. So for Anthony and myself and the composers and the audience, you you included, um, yeah. it seemed to be a good project. Yeah, when, when you know, very much like you, March... Everything got wiped out, and you know it just seemed like, as a composer, um, you know I think a lot of us when we're writing we write to deadlines, and all of a sudden those deadlines didn't mean anything anymore because there were no performances and there were no festivals to go to and stuff like that. So you know I I think those those opportunities for people to kind of, like you say, just have something manageable, something that they can do quickly and see some turnaround and like, you know, have that good feeling from from getting their music out there again, I think was just so important. On your website, you identify four areas um, in which kind of Castle engages. You've talked about the concerts, you've talked about education, but you know, are the, the other two pieces of that celebrating black artistry and fostering cultural, cultural curiosity, are those kind of manifest through the, the concerts and the educational initiatives or um, are, are, are there more activities that you're kind of involved in? Yeah, I think uh, both of those are definitely bedrock foundations for really everything that we do. Mm-hmm. So, um, Fostering cultural curiosity, for instance, whether it's an interactive workshop or a six-week build a modern-day spiritual or a college residency uh, or edutainment programs, we call them largely string quartets, sharing uh, history, a movement of this, a movement of that sort of tapas style. So you, you, as an audience member, get introduced to a lot of music and a lot of history. Um, Our Biba blogs, Beauty and Black Artistry blogs, that's curated weekly by Anthony, Um, various social media posts. I was just Mm -hmm. chatting with our marketing, social media marketing guru who created this amazing post about George Bridge Tower and referenced one of my favorite music, uh, musicologist, Maude Cooney Hare. Anyway, it was, it was amazing. And and all of these uh, are examples of fostering cultural curiosity with the idea that uh, if, if we can inspire and, you know, plant a seed of curiosity maybe appreciation, but if nothing else, curiosity, wonderment, uh, then hopefully the person who's on the receiving end might want to venture out and learn a little bit more about themselves, about um, black culture, about X, Y, and Z culture, um, 
and hopefully with that sense of curiosity there's a greater sense of empathy is ultimately the the world that we're trying to to create so um, that really is central to everything that we do as is celebrating black artistry our original uh, mission way back when in in year one was to uh, celebrate the music of black American composers and we uh, sort of switched, or evolved, I should say, that tagline to celebrating black artistry because we wanted to be more than just uh, United States, certainly an acknowledgement of the full diaspora and the century's worth of black excellence and contribution. Um, yes to classical music, which is our, um, our meaning mind and Anthony sort of first... Um, comfort zone, I guess, or not, I shouldn't say first, but uh, the comfort zone that we occupy pretty regularly. Yeah. Um, but wanted to have flexibility to be able to highlight excellence in visual arts and excellence in dance and in uh, poetry, other literature, um, collaborators that we have yet to connect with mm-hmm. and genres that we have yet to explore. Um, and ultimately in connection again with the fostering cultural curiosity, try to uh, showcase the, the wide and deep expressions that are related to, to black artistry, the non-monolithic identity, uh, and the literally centuries worth of contributions from uh, multiple continents <laughs> uh, that, that is this music. I think one of the ways um, that you know, you are contributing to that right now is this, um, your series of like, uh, your virtual lectures that you did. So I just attended, uh, the one that was October 5th, I think, um, deep dive, a deep dive, uh, lecture series that you're doing with, um, what was the library that you're doing? Uh, it's a local Massachusetts library, Framingham public library. Mm Mm-hmm. And I mean, you in in that um, in the time you had, you introduced uh, all uh, black composers who were women, and you know some of their works and the history of their works, and you played some of it. And you were talking about like um, engaging curiosity. And I mean, obviously, I came to it because I wanted to learn. But the way the the means in which you engaged my curiosity, you know, to go look at more, uh, more compositions and to go like, you know, um, try to try to get that anthology that I was asking you about. And I did, I bought it. It's coming uh, like in the next couple of days. Um, because the, I just thought that that was great. And you have a couple more of those coming up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that, that series, that series is, uh, a three-part, I believe. And the first one is, as you mentioned, uh, the power of her voice, talking about black women uh, composers, African-American specifically, um, composers. The the next one in November, thinking Thanksgiving to give thanks to early pioneers, um, which that one I haven't designed yet, but it, it most likely will extend beyond America and think about centuries ago, you know, early 1500s, who who um, was was laying the initial sort of groundwork for uh, for me, for instance, to be here and in, in this field. 
Um, and then in December, thinking a little bit about the uh, holiday time, but to, to sort of talk about spirituals, which do have a lot of religious um, allegories in them and metaphors and um, being able to, to sort of unpack African-American spirituals and, and share and showcase. With, with all of them, um, I'm an educator of almost 20 years now at this point. Um, I really do want to try to encourage as much connectivity um, as, as I can. So yes, if you're a musician, here's music to listen to. But <laughs> if you're not a musician, let's talk about the politics. Let's talk about intersectionality as it relates to women. Let's talk about um, their their family and uh, home life. Let's talk about um, poets that they mingled with and uh, clubs and various societies and social life, that sort of thing. So um, the, the context, I think, is, for me, as a total nerd, interesting. <laughs> uh, and hopefully for people from all sort of angles and perspectives to be able to find, again, sort of tapas style, something that resonates. And all I need is that one thing to resonate that will hopefully in- inspire you to learn more. Do you have dates for the November and the December lectures? Supposed to be, so November 9th, 7 p.m. And then December 14th. So the second Mondays, I believe. So yeah, those, uh, those lectures, I mean, basically, um, because they're virtual, anyone can attend them. And all you have to do is like send an email to get a, a zoom, uh, a zoom link. And I highly encourage people to do that. I was, uh, I, I learned a lot from your first one and I look forward to your, uh, to your next two. Um, let's talk about the first piece you brought, uh, for us to listen to. So this is uh, Juba by Trevor Weston. Uh, it's for string quartet. Um, why did you pick this piece? What is, what is special about this one that you wanted to showcase not only this, this, uh, this work, but also the, you know, uh, performance of Castle of Our Skins? Yeah, well, with with this, um, I'm I'm a huge fan of Trevor Weston, and I remember uh, with this piece particularly, it was um, one one of the iterations is for string orchestra, and I remember playing principal viola, uh, and there's a, a pretty substantial viola solo, and I remember just totally botching it in the performance, <laughs> and I I saw him after I was like I promise I'll make it up to you I'll play this piece again. So in any case, I, I programmed the piece um, and did more than that. Invited him to the Longy School of Music where Castle of Our Skins is in uh, an ensemble in residence. So we got a chance to bring him in from New Jersey, um, do a whole number of master classes and lectures, um, engaging with the students. The students performed. Um, one of one of his choral, not choral, um, orchestral piece with vocal soloist, uh, a number of chamber pieces they did in, in a public masterclass as well, and then Castle of Our Skins did a portrait concert. Um, I don't remember the sort of span, uh, probably fifteen to twenty years, I would guess, uh, ranging in, in compositions, from some some pieces that were inspired by his. Um, early, early music, his Renaissance um, interest, and oh, wow. something like this with with Juba, 
which is very much inspired by, uh, and, and you can sort of hear this uh, musically, the, the movement uh, from Africa, the forced movement from Africa to, to America, Juba being an African dance, um, using a lot of black idioms in, in the piece, uh, thinking about in, in uh, if you've ever gone to a, a, a church service, if you've ever gone to a black church service, uh, and people are singing and being expressive in mm-hmm. very individual ways, not necessarily together, but singing together and not singing together, if that makes sense. So something called lining, where, where people will be sort of shadowing and chasing, playing individual or singing individual um, melodies very much in their own time, but similar. Uh, so it starts sort of with this lining. Um, the, the Juba dance has a lot of physicality, a lot of stomping and, and sort of body movements. Also in, in uh, uh, thinking about church performance, again, there's, there's a lot of physicality. So you'll mm-hmm. hear stomping um, in this piece. It is uh, one that is hearkening of, of um, a variety of, of cultures and movements as it relates to uh, the African diaspora. Um, so, so I was very excited to be able to one get a get a second pass at this piece um, and to invite him to Cambridge um, Massachusetts to engage and just work um, with the students work with us be able to very very intimately speaking of deep dives very intimately showcase uh, his music and his work and his um, his his craft his ideology uh, and for the students especially to be able to um, see uh, see an example of a composer, hear an entire concert where no two pieces sound the same. So a non-monolithic composer with a non-monolithic identity, I think was just mm-hmm. very, very important. Um, and granted, this is one piece that we'll hear of his, but go listen to anything else of his, especially his choral um, pieces, his his children's choir pieces, you know, for instance, are totally different, uh, to really underscore the, the breadth and the depth and the human, uh, aspect of quote unquote, the black composer. One of the things I absolutely loved about this piece was that you, you kind of mentioned it. He, you said he was using kind of some black idioms and, uh, I, I just, I just thought there were like just little flashes of this piece. Like you'd catch something and then it would like kind of recede into a texture he's creating and you'd catch something else like things that are familiar, but it's within this context of contemporary music. So it's this, um, he, he kind of lives in a wide swath among the, on, on the continuum of, you know, like on one side of the continuum is, is extremely atonal and on the other side of the continuum is uh, extremely tonal. And he just kind of lives in the middle and does a lot with it. And his music is very colorful because of that. It also has a lot of energy. I mean, the foot stomps, oh my God, the recording engineer, whoever recorded this concert, they got the foot stomps because they sound humongous. That's awesome. Yes, yes. We, we made sure to also wear some pretty good heels, but yeah. uh, Scott Quaid is our... A videographer from from Boston. Well, that's awesome. So let's just listen to this now. So uh, this is Juba by Trevor Weston. 
and it's featuring uh, Castle of Our Skins, and the performers are Gabriela Diaz on vi- on violin, Mina Lafcheva on violin, of course, Ashley Gordon on viola, and Francesca McNeely on cello.
Hi everyone, my name is Jamie Lee Sampson. I'm a co-owner of Adjective New Music LLC and a proud member of the Adjective Composers Collective. I hope that you're enjoying this week's episode of Lexical Tones. If you like what you hear, please feel free to check out the previous seasons of this podcast via SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or the Adjective New Music website, where we explore a diverse array of sound worlds being created by the musicians of the 21st century. Before we return to this week's episode, here's a brief interlude featuring the music of Robert McClure, performed by pianist Lucas Wong. Feel free to sit back and enjoy this excerpt of Robert McClure's A Veil. We now return to this week's episode of Lexical Tones. Before we get into the second piece, I just wanted to, this is just kind of me a little bit nerding out. Um, Can you talk a little bit about the, it seems like a partnership that you've had with uh, Jeffrey Mumford. Um, I really, really love his music and it seems like you've performed more than just a few of his pieces. So Jeffrey, uh, Jeffrey was our very first portrait concert highlighted composer, I guess you could say. So Trevor Weston being our most recent, um, fingers crossed later this season, Jesse Montgomery will be our our next. Um, but he, he was our inaugural and we brought him out from 
uh, the Cleveland area. He's in uh, teaches at Lorraine Community College to do something similar, and that was to showcase his string repertoire from solo violin, solo viola, uh, string trio uh, mm-hmm. with uh, a group that I had at the time called Sound Energy and um, string quartet. Um, prior, I think, to that, or maybe it was after, uh, in in really enjoying his music, also came across his uh, viola bass duo uh, and performed that uh, a few times with um, really fantastic bass player Lizzie Burns, who maybe is in New York, although... I think she just bought a house, so I don't I don't know where she is. Maybe still in New York somewhere. Um, but the um, way that I, I first connected with Jeffrey was during my undergraduate studies, and I was studying in um, Cleveland-ish area. If you don't if you don't know where Berea is, which is um, in between Cleveland and Oberlin, so Oberlin Conservatory and Cleveland Institute of Music uh, at a school called Baldwin Wallace College. Uh, and he actually didn't teach there, but he taught at Oberlin. So um, my viola professor who also taught at Oberlin, and I was able to inadvertently kind of cross paths with him. I think they had neighboring studios or something like this. Um, and he, I, I think, was just in his, in his office one day when I was uh, having a lesson and sort of peeked his head out and recognize that I'm I'm a violist and I'm black and he's a black composer and we should maybe connect and know one another and sort of started a relationship um back yeah back back in college and wow. uh I'm happy to have him as an advisor and certainly one who writes beautiful music especially chamber music that we can play I was just wondering I love his music and and it seems like you guys like do quite a bit with him so that's that's awesome um so let's talk about the second piece. And this is from your uh, co-founder, Anthony R. Green. And it's called On Top of Frosted Hill. And this is for viola and uh, piano. So can you tell us kind of the story of this work? Sure. So um, I can't remember when it was written, but originally it, it's, it was for cello. Mm-hmm. Uh, and piano. I think it sounds way better on viola, but that is a very biased. <laughs> a little <opinion>. biased, but... <laughs> <laughs> uh, he, Anthony, uh, wrote this when he was doing his studies um, after we had connected at New England Conservatory out in Colorado. Uh, and Colorado, for, for those that have visited, is uh, very mountainous, so has lots of frosted hills. Uh, and being inspired by the environment, by by the scenery, uh, very much was, was the inspiration for, for Anthony to write this piece. Um, and the beginning, and, and really sort of throughout, has just a, a sense of, well, frozen, static, um, slow-moving, maybe, maybe it's a sunrise, maybe it's a eventual break in the cloud that you know is going to come and then when it comes there's something sort of um, jarring about it or maybe striking is a better word um, but there's there's uh, uh, sounds that Anthony is also exploring some sort of extended techniques um, that help mimic that feeling of, of barren and cold that you would certainly 
associate with with a frosted hill such as a such as a tall snowy mountain um, and the kind of swirling chaos if you get caught in that frosted <laughs> hill uh, during a, a sort of storm that there's a lot of chaos uh, amidst that sort of awe-inspiring beauty did did you was it you that requested this piece to be uh, like turned into viola and piano as opposed to cello? And yeah, piano? I'm pretty persuasive. <laughs> but um, Anthony and I, again, have a mutual respect for one another uh, and try to, when, when we can, be in the same physical space, um, support one another as best we can. So he and I, for instance, have, have uh, spent some time in Chicago at a place that unfortunately no longer is is really in existence, but the Center for Black Music Research, uh, which is exactly as the name sounds, and mm-hmm. fulfilling our, our nerdy uh, you know selves, and nine to five or whatever the hours were researching. Uh, when when we did this some years ago, we were able to connect uh, not only for a full week, uh, sort of funding to to research, but to connect and do some recitals. Uh, so I think it was. Maybe for uh, our our first sort of duo, Castle of Our Skins co-founder recital um, little tour that we had in Chicago, wanting to take uh, a piece of Anthony's that we could play together. Uh, and it turned out that this worked, as I said, great, uh, <laughs> even better on, on viola. I mean, this piece kind of expresses, like you said, a wide range. It has that static quality about it. It, it kind of blossoms over the first two-thirds of the piece. Um, it can be simple. It can be complex. It has that delicate sensibility in the beginning. And like you say, it gets to kind of a striking or a jarring point when when the clouds break. It, it just, uh, it, it's a kind of expansive piece that also doesn't try to do more than it sets out to do, it seems like. Yeah, I, I think that's a, a great way of, uh, a great way of describing it. it. It's, for for me, playing it, and also listening to it, I get the same sort of mesmerized feeling, um, and it's it's maybe fifteen minutes or something like this, but I I feel drawn to the narrative and to the visuals for the entire time, which is. Uh, hard <laughs> to, to, to capture it um, in music. Yeah, definitely. Well, let's listen to it right now. So we will hear uh, Ashley on viola and piano. It's Joy Klein Finney. And this is Anthony R. Green's On Top of Frosted Hill. Thank you. 
All right. Well, what are some upcoming projects that you're kind of excited about with either just for your own, uh, you know, own performing or through Castle of Our Skins or whatever? Sure. Yeah. Well, um, I, I mentioned a little bit about this Black Love project, which is uh, a, a behemoth of a project. Mm-hmm. Uh, this this concert with the sound bath and the love duet and poetry. Um, and as part of that project, we're we're also uh, well. I should give credit where it's due. Our our uh, creative in residence Tanya Radzwa Tawengwa and her and her team of architects and designers are creating this 3D interactive uh, website that is a uh, daily uh, engagement around building an altar uh, for healing, for self-healing, based on the five elements, uh, one that is designed in this very sort of socially distanced world that we're in right now, Mm -hmm. to uh, uh, offer self-healing and self-care in in your home taking what you have in a natural space and and creating a space for healing uh we're also for for that project um encouraging the love to black businesses so um trying to get a whole roster as many as we can from all different uh industries creatives entrepreneurs um music publishers etc to be able to offer a a discount on their products so supporting Black businesses supporting um, businesses that support Black creatives and artists, mm-hmm. uh, and hopefully over the month of November, drive traffic uh, to them and drive support, and ultimately show show some love to them as well. Uh, so that that's all of the month of November. Um, I'm also teaching at the Laundry School of Music uh, a course on composers from the African diaspora. That is my first time. Uh, teaching on a collegiate level, first time teaching this class, uh, and designing it has been uh, very gratifying and rewarding. Again, the the nerd in me, just being able to collect all these <laughs> books and and read and learn, has been really um, very selfishly fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as part of the course, my students are uh, charged to put on a class recital, and there's eleven students. Different instruments, different uh, voice types, some composers as well, gave them a huge list that they can choose from, and they didn't pick, the, no one picked the same piece, no one picked the same composer. So That's awesome. for me, I'm, I'm also incredibly uh, excited, also in November, to have this class recital, 11 different works by or about black composers from, oh, I think, spanning 250 years, uh, and encouraging them uh, as, as best as I can to foster their own curiosity and then certainly help pay that forward to to everyone else who's watching and who's attending um, that program. So Castle of Our Skins, teaching, resting at some point, uh, <laughs> would, would it all be great things for me to look forward to. T- taking some of that, you know, self-healing and self-love that you're yes. talking about in November. Um, that website that you mentioned, um, so that that's going to be live in November. How how can people find that? Yeah. So everything, uh, as it relates to that particular project, you can find on the Castle of Our Skins website, which is castleskins.org. Uh, and then we'll have uh, uh, hopefully front and center a, a link to a 
page that is all about black love. So that concert that I uh, shared, the black market, if you want to engage with some of the vendors, and then this um, more information about this website, how to connect with the website. I really like this, you know, th- this kind of holistic approach that that you guys take, you know, in terms of, you know, in your concerts, it not only being about music, but also poetry and dance and lighting and and that kind of stuff. But but you know, with the, with the Black Love Project, you know, not only music or a concert, but also this idea of like on you know making it a community thing. It just seems like that holistic approach is very central to to what you do and, and will be central mm-hmm. um, going forward into the future. Yeah, I I very much believe that I occupy space in an ecosystem and it is to my benefit to see you succeed and vice versa. There's also um, principles, uh, Swahili terms, Ujama Ujima, collective work and responsibility, um, uh, and cooperative economics. And bo- both of those uh, touch on, well, Afrocentric Afro- uh, practices and principles, right? But they, they touch on a feeling of community a, a very real sense of responsibility. Mm-hmm. Um, and in, in terms of, of economics, it may not be financial, but I can help support you by in, uh, contributing and um, highlighting by investing, by um, giving time, giving space, giving, <laughs> giving love. Mm-hmm. Um, and and those, those principles very much guide me as a person. And obviously this organization is an extension of my thinking and my thoughts as a person. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's very related. Community is, is very related to, um, our mission, our values, just our, our operating system, because, you know, why not? Yeah. And, and as you say, it's like, it, it is in, it's in your benefit to, to, uh, to help. You know, that's, that's wonder. I, I like, I like the way you, the, the way you said it about it being an ecosystem, um, that's, I, I think, I think if we all kind of realize that that, that is indeed what we are in, uh, despite, mm-hmm. despite being humans and feeling like we've mastered the world in some way, no, 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 no. Like an ecosystem is still very much part of it. And if we don't live in it, we're just going to trample all over it. Absolutely. And there's very much, um, uh, for me, a sense of care, uh, consideration, collaboration not um competition yeah uh work that's involved right it's not just i claim my stake and blinders on but one that like any other relationship involves um daily intentions yeah well we've come to the last question that i always ask all the artists performers composers that come on the podcast how did you come to music as the thing that you wanted to pursue for your life Hmm. Well, for me, I uh, am the youngest of three kids. Uh, my sister and my brother, I think, were playing piano or, 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 yeah, I think, yeah, they were both playing piano. My sister ended up singing. My brother played flute and saxophone. But there was always some, some music. But early on, uh, I was, and still to some extent um, am, a pretty shy, reserved kid, so I was always in my head. Um, 
and thinking about things, writing things. I wrote a, uh, and illustrated a couple children's books. I was very crafty, um, always always creating something. Yeah. I, I remember taking piano lessons because, again, my brother and my sister uh, were, were doing that as well. And my piano teacher, her name was June, I remember, and she had long red nails. And any pianist knows, first of all, you can't have <laughs> long nails because they clack on the keys, and it was just the most grating sound. Um, I still can't play piano today. I did not think about that. But um, I was attracted to arts and creating and um, sort of exploring and putting things together that was really interesting for me, whether it's thoughts, ideas, words, physical things, and certainly music, it's oral. Um, And very much wanted to play violin. That was, for some reason, very specific in my mind. Um, I ended up in public school in fourth grade taking violin. Uh, Piano had long since gone by the wayside (laughs) and uh, stuck with violin through maybe halfway of undergrad. Um, I wanted to really take cello. I had some extra credit, some extra space in my uh, my studies and my violin professor at the time, I thought it was harsh, said that I would never be a cellist, so I should take viola Aww. instead. But Aww. very, very practical to say, you know, you, you can do a lot with similar uh, instruments, violin and viola. So I ended up taking viola in undergrad. Um, and remember, for, for your music listeners, hopefully they can appreciate my, my first piece was a piece by Telemann. And then when I realized I wanted to switch to viola, I had to quickly learn Hindemith and Bartok and Bach for auditions. So it was just like yeah. <laughs> fast track um, and, and very truncated. Um, but I have, I think ultimately my, my entire life really been a violist. A lot of the instruments sort of like people and their pets, you know, complement each other. And mm-hmm. the viola being um, one that, especially for chamber music, which is where my passion is, is an instrument that is in the thick of things. You definitely recognize when it's not there. It's it's subtle in how it can influence slash manipulate um, <laughs> some of the other voices. It's it very much blends, um, yeah, blends things together. And I feel like the work that I do as a, especially as a artistic director, is to help facilitate, is to help convene. Um, I, I'm not necessarily front and center, but you definitely know if, if I'm not there. Literally, the organization yeah. will not run if I'm not there. Um, so I'm, I'm this sort of undercurrent, uh, similarly to to the way that a viola um, shares. And also, violas are just super cool. Right? Like I've never met a not cool violist. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think if I... You no. Know, I, I, don't, I don't think there are not cool violas out there. Violas seem to be... I mean, the violists that I've met, at least, always seem to be pretty chill. Yeah. Which I've, lends itself to I've literally to had, the, um, yeah. instead of studio class, we had yoga class. And, mm. you know, talking about our, our bodies, as, as, as we should in any, uh, with any instrument. But uh, that's sort of where our heads are. Just how, how can we be more relaxed? How can we be more in tune with each other? And Yeah. Yeah, no, no stress for viola. <laughs> Well, before we go, can you tell everyone where they can find Castle of Our Skins, 
uh, where they could find more performances to check out and connect with you on you know social media or something like that? Sure. So uh, probably social media, um, Instagram, definitely Facebook. Um, well, yes, we're, we're on Facebook now. I don't know how long, but in any case, we, <laughs> we occupy that space. Um, as well as Twitter, our, our social media handle is at Castle Skins, uh, skins being plural. Uh, and then our website, which definitely has information. I try to update that as, as much as, as I can, but that has all sorts of history that you can find about the organization, um, as well as resources in case you're curious, where can I start? Is there an easy website or links or another organization? We have a resource page, um, especially if you are interested in chamber music and you're like, what what's some rep that I can play? We have all of the repertoire that we've ever programmed or commissioned for the past eight years on our website. So you can definitely go there um, to, to check out and foster your own curiosity. Uh, and that website is castleskins.org. Those would be the two best ways, um, yeah, to keep in touch. I was looking at that uh, repertoire page earlier and I was like, yes, I want to listen to all this stuff like right now. If there, if there were only time in the day. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, Ashley, thank you so much for doing this. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having uh, not only myself, but also Anthony R. Green, who very much in, in his in his own way is uh, amazing, um, certainly with Castle of Skins and outside of Castle of Skins. So to feature him and his music um, is, is great. So thanks. Thanks for doing that as well, too. Thanks for listening. As always, if you want to find out more about Adjective New Music, or lexical tones, please go to our website, www.adjectivenewmusic.com.